everybody. Well, this morning we're going to finish up, Lord willing, Obadiah. But let's first open in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, Lord, this your day, we give glory to you, praise to you. We lift up your name, Lord. There isn't words enough to give praise to you for your great grace and mercy that you've shown upon your people. Nothing we did, could do, would do, have done, could save us, but you did through your, through your plan, your reason, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Father, as we dig into Obadiah this morning and, and finish up this wonderful book, this small, short book, but so potent with, with information for us and we pray, Lord, that you would edify us, Lord, that you would take the words that I say and use them to your glory and to your honor. Your word, as, as we expound upon it, let me not mess it up, Father, but uh, really communicate what needs to be communicated. I ask, Lord, now that you would speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Last Sunday, we covered the first half of Obadiah. It's split into two sections. I would uh, like to just start off this morning by reading through it, uh, just to catch us up, and then I have a bit of a summary that we'll go through uh, also before we get into that second half, and we'll see how far we get with all of this. Reading Obadiah, Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, we have heard a report from the Lord, and a messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up. Let us rise up against her for battle. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling who says in your heart, who will bring us down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape-gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They prevail against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men of Eden, Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Tenem, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Because the violence done to your brother Jacob 
shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On that day that you stood aloof, on that day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. But do not gloat over the day of your brother. In the day of his misfortune, do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gates of my people in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroads to cut off his fugitives. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. For as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall continually. They shall drink and swallow. They shall be though they had never been. But in Mount Zion there shall be those who escape, and it shall be holy. And the house of Jacob shall possess their possession, their own possessions. The house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of Joseph a flame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivors for the house of Esau. For the Lord has spoken. Those of the Negeb shall possess Mount Esau, and those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of the Philistines, and shall possess the land of Ephraim, and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall possess Gilead. The exiles of this host of the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zareph. And the exiles of Jerusalem who are in Sarah shall possess the cities of Negeb. Survivors shall go up to the Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. One chapter, a lot in that one chapter. During our last class, we learned that Obadiah's name meant servant, worshiper of God. They go hand in hand, don't they? Servant and worshiper. You can't be a worshiper of God and not a servant of God as well. You can't separate the two. In fact, they are imperative as a Christian. In fact, we gather together, right, on the Lord's Day, and what do we call it? A worship service. And indeed, it is a service to our Lord. The fact that Obadiah was a worshiper and a servant of God is in drastic contrast to what we learned 
about Edom last week. The people of Eden being wicked people, thinking only of themselves, thinking uh, themselves all self-sufficient, self-serving people who rely on themselves rather than the one true God. For their actions, they showed they, from their actions, they showed that they believed that they did not need God. And their own gods, what about them? Wealth, allies, mighty men, wisdom, supposedly, security, or so they thought. We saw that all this failed them. Now, don't get me wrong, Israel was no perfect, sinless people. And Israel would repent. Right? Israel wrestled with God until God blessed him. Edom did no such thing. From Israel would come a remnant of God-fearers, God-fearing people. True Israel. Israel was floored, but from them would come the faithful. We also learned that the Edomites' father was Esau, nicknamed Edom, Red, the one who sold his birthright for a bowl of red stew. He immediately filled his belly, and he did not think about the future. The immediate was more important to him. He cared more about an instant gratification than he did of what was meaningful for his life in the future. He did not even consider the future. He wanted to feed his stomach. Let me ask you this. Are there times in your life when you act more like an Edomite than you do one of God's people? When you took that mess of pottage, that red stew, that immediately pleasured or satisfied you, that filled your stomach rather than remembering your birthright in Christ. Let that be some food for thought. I know it is for me. And then we read the message of Rachel, the mom of Esau and Jacob's. The message that she received in Genesis 25, 23, when we read, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people from within you shall be divided, and the one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. A foretelling of that sold birthright. Esau would serve Jacob. The Edomites would serve Israel. With the way the Edomites treated Israel, sometimes we question that. But all in all, the Edomites would serve Israel. God's word is true. Doesn't change. This brings to mind Joseph's statement to his brothers. When we think about what Israel went through 
uh, when they're, with their dealings with their brothers, uh, the Edomites. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. It's the same principle here. God used Edom to judge Israel at times. And indeed, Israel did drink of the cup of God's wrath. As I said, they were no perfect, sinless people. And they had judgment to face of their own. We saw that in Joel. We'll see that when we get into uh, looking at Ezekiel. You can see that all through Scripture. God's wrath, God's judgment, always deals justly with the wicked, but also causes his own people to run back to him. As I said last week, this book of Obadiah is broken up into two main sections. You have verses 1 through 14 and 15 through 21. We covered the 1 through 14 last week. We learned last week that verses 1 through 9, they, they were a declaration of Edom's wickedness as reported from the Lord. The Lord, the divine warrior, put forth a battle cry calling all the nations to come up against Edom. Edom would be judged, and Edom would ultimately be destroyed in time. When you look at history, you see Edom decreasing, decreasing, decreasing till they're no longer. Does anybody know an Edomite today? The battle cry against Edom, the judgment that would destroy them. They would no longer be a people. There would be no changing this. God had spoken and it would be done. And why? Well, that's the question, isn't it? We're told it's because of what they had historically done to their brothers, Israel. This judgment against Edom was because of Edom's transgressions and offenses against God's people. But let me say this. These transgressions, these offenses that were against God's people, were they not first and foremost transgressions against God? Indeed, they were. And they are today. When we transgress against one another, that's first and foremost a transgression against the holy, righteous, and just God. Even that simplest little sin that we commit against our brother, against one another, is first and foremost a sin against God. We learned that Edom refused to come to their brother's aid. Remember standing by aloof, just watching, gloating, laughing, and then plundering, even murdering their brothers. We also learned that Edom was prideful, depending on their wealth, their allies, their position, their, their own wisdom, their military might rather than God. Micah 6.8 tells us this. He has told you, O man, 
what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. We did not see this with Edom at all. The second section of the book Obadiah, verses 15 through 21, starts with the day of the Lord. This serves as a hinge point, if you will, closing the first section specific to Edom and opening up the next, switching the attention from the declaration of judgment on Edom and now focusing on all nations. All those who rejected God and his commandments. The nations are to be paid back in the same way, having harmed others, they will see payment for that. Israel and other faithful in the nations, however, would be saved. There's always a remnant. And God is a covenant keeping God with his people. And again, this God who keeps this covenant does it to his glory. The day of the Lord is near. Approaching quickly for the nations. Zephaniah 1.14 says this, The great day of the Lord, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries out aloud there. The mighty man is no match for a holy, righteous, just God. Its nearness is one that compels reasons for the current predicament in which Edom and the nations find themselves. In why the people need to repent. Why they need to turn to God. Why all people even today need to turn to God. This day of the Lord was back in history for a specific point in time. But there is a day coming of the Lord. As as we go through this, think of our walk today. Think of what we see in our lives with our government over us and with the things we do and how we relate to our brothers. But like with Esau and his lost blessing, even though he cried, it was too late. There are going to be those who it's going to be too late for. I always remember the story that uh, Spurgeon tells and, and the urging and the sense of urgency that he has about the lost, grabbing their legs rather than, fall, than them falling into, into the abyss. For the day of the Lord is near upon all nations. Every nation will face the judgment of God. 
Oh, yes, that includes ours. Yes, this is directly referring to ancient times, but this is a type and shadow of things to come. Obadiah goes on to say, As you have done, it shall be done to you. Measure for measure. Eye for an eye, if you will. God has told us to love our neighbor as ourselves, And to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Anything short of this, well, measure for measure. This is what the standard was for the nations. This is what the standard is for our nation, for us. The standard doesn't change. You say, but we can't do that. But you're right, we can't. But like Israel, when he wrestled with God and repented, he received a blessing. Moving along. Your deeds shall be returned upon your head. Vengeance is mine, in other words, says the Lord. For as you have drunk on the holy mountain, this is speaking of Judah, so shall all the nations drink continually. They shall drink and swallow, and they shall be as though they had never been before. Obadiah makes a comparison here uh, between Judah, who had already drunk from the cup of God's wrath, and already had experienced God's judgment, Edom being part of that, and had been judged by God. Particularly thinking about the judgment upon uh, Jerusalem in Judah. And we'll learn much more about this when Ezekiel comes along. I'm building up Ezekiel. It's going to take a long time to get through Ezekiel. Fascinating book. But anyway, I digress. And, and all the nations who will drink from this cup, who will yet be judged by God. Here we see a metaphor of the cup which represents God's wrath. This drink of his judgment will be drunk. Just as an alcoholic might drink nonstop until they are psychologically gone, so the nations will experience the wrath of God until they are physically gone. Judah, God's people, however, survived this ordeal. They survived the ordeal of Jerusalem and, and the attack and destruction of Jerusalem. A remnant did. True, true Israel. In essence, when they were exiled, they were protected. We'll talk about that in Ezekiel too. They were set aside, kept from being in Jerusalem where all the destruction took place. One doesn't think about that when they think about exiling, taken away from their land and their properties and all they have to be pulled away and put it somewhere else, but they were protected. Trust me. A remnant of Judah will return from exile. We read about that in Ezra and Nehemiah. 
The nations, in contrast, though, will not survive. Again, this is a shadow of, of the judgment to come. And then finally, God's people will be restored. Good thing I have page numbers. I'd lose my place otherwise. We see here that Obadiah's message is final. And again, I said this before, there's, there's no changing. God determined this to be, and it's going to be. It's a sure thing. God's judgments can't be thwarted. They can't be battled off by mighty men, by wisdom of, of people. Here, the nations are facing a judgment that is sure and true. But in the Mount Zion shall be those who escape. Again, the remnant, God's people, and it shall be holy. God calls us to be holy as he is holy. Of course, we can't do this in our own strength, can we? But he does give us every means to become holy gradually. So sanctification. We have the means of grace. We have his word. We have prayer. We have opportunity to fellowship together. Uh, iron sharpening iron and so forth. And the house of Jacob shall possess their own possessions. All that was taken away will be restored. We saw the same concept in Joel when we studied Joel. Joel 2.25, as a matter of fact, said this, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locusts have eaten, the hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter, my great army, which I sent among you. All that God had taken away in judgment, would be restored to his people. Then it goes on in, in uh, Obadiah. It says, the house of Jacob shall be a fire, and the house of J uh, Joseph a flame. We read, we read, read something very similar in Zechariah 10.6. And it says this, I will strengthen the house of Judah and I will save the house of Joseph. I will bring them back because I have compassion on them and they shall be as though I had not rejected them for I am the Lord their God and I will answer them. God has his people from eternity past. A people was determined Judah and Israel will be brought back, a remnant restored. We're spiritual Israel. And the house of Esau should be stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau. Burned out as stubble blown away like chaff. Edom, that mighty kingdom of Edom that thought themselves undestructible, indestructible, metaphorically burned up, destroyed. Same concept 
regarding what will be faced in the last days. Those who will be the Lord's and those who will not. For the Lord has spoken, Obadiah says. The word of God. The word that created all that is. The creator of the universe by that word. The word that keeps the earth and the universe all in its place. That mighty word of God. It goes on to say, those of the Negev shall possess Mount Esau. And the Negev was, was the scene of uh, much of Abram's wanderings and currently part of Israel. And those of uh, Shephelah, excuse my poor Hebrew, uh, that speaks of the lowlands. So you have the Mount of Esau, the highlands and the lowlands. Uh, and the lands that were possessed by the Philistines, they shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria, and Benjamin shall, be, shall uh, possess Gilead. All these lands are going to be returned to God's people. The exiles of this host of people, Israel, the remnant, the redeemed, those who were set aside in exile and protected. God came to them there and protected them for his time, for his reason, for his purpose, his people. Well, they shall possess the land of the Canaanite as far as Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem who, were in, who are in uh, Sarabrad Sarah shall possess the cities of Negev. All these lands shall be returned to God's people. Saviors, it goes on to say, shall go up to the Mount of Zion to rule Mount Esau. So what does this mean? It goes on to say, and the kingdom shall be the Lord's. Well, Psalm twenty-two twenty-eight says this. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. The earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world, and those who dwell therein for he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God, of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift up, be lifted up, 
O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. The saviors that will go up in the mount. Well, I believe that's the church. The book of Obadiah ends with this foreshadowing of Christ and his church. We will see this also in Esau, uh, in uh, Ezekiel. Saviors going up to the Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau. The kingdom shall be the Lord's. These saviors, also called deliverers in several versions. They're God's ministers of the word. And especially the preachers of the gospel in these later days. They are called saviors. Not because they can save, but because they preach salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ, showing the way to salvation. They've been saved for a purpose. They go out, they spread the gospel. When we spread the gospel, when we share our faith, whether it be preaching on the street corner, handing out tracts, clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, in God's name, we're loving our brothers as ourselves. We're loving our God. We're serving our God. And we see things change. Not because of what we've done, but because of what he's done in us. How he's changed our hearts. The remnant is not a remnant because of what they did, but because of what God did in them. Israel wrestling with the angel. He didn't win that battle because of his great strength. It was God's purpose that he should win that battle. It was God's purpose that he should repent. Preachers of the gospel in these later days, that's us. Called saviors not because they did the saving, but rather because of the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Showing the way to salvation. They and the word preached by them are, are means by which the good news of salvation is delivered to all men. That mighty word, that powerful word of God that created all that is. The word that's written down in scripture that we have so freely in our hands. That powerful word, it's called a sword. cutting through sinew. We have that. We, we have this. We have the means to be part of that plan. Preaching the gospel, 
Jesus Christ, living the gospel of Jesus Christ, loving our neighbor as ourself and loving the Lord the God, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Although Obadiah is the shortest book in the Old Testament, its prophecy of Edom, it's quite comforting. Yes, we see all these judgments, judgments against Edom, judgments against the nations, but we also see grace and mercy. You say, where? The remnant. The restoration. Doesn't it talk about all the lands being returned? The possessions being returned? The shortest book in the Old Testament. It's a prophecy of Edom's fall. It's, it's a prophecy against the nations. It tells us that uh, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. It tells us that God will deal with those who have dealt poorly with his people. It reminds us uh, as God's people that the Lord will not long tolerate our enemies. All those who stand up against the faith, uh, face of a wrathful God. But we need to ask ourselves as we read through this book of Obadiah, where do we really stand? Can't be wishy-washy. You either are or you're not. And we, we need to search ourselves and to see, are we Edomites or are we Israel? Psalm 22, 27 through 28 uh, says this. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. Excuse me. We started out understanding Obadiah by looking at Abraham. Right? And we saw from Abraham, eventually down the line came Jacob and Esau. It's grace and grace and grace being shown. From, from Abraham to the Lord Jesus Christ. Salvation is only from the Lord. God chose to love Jacob and not Esau. God chose to show Jacob's salvific grace, but not Esau. God chose to give his favor to Judah and not Edom. Now relate that to us. Let's, let's look at what we know about Ephesians 2. We see that we were dead in our trespasses and sin. Dead. Dead person can do nothing. Can't take that medication to make themselves well. Dead in our trespasses and sin. Metaphorically, obviously. But God, God, 
being rich in his mercy because of the great love he has for us, his people. Even when we were dead, enemies of God gave us life together with his son, Jesus Christ. Grace. Great grace. Great mercy. By grace, we have been saved. This not of our own doing. God chose to do this. It was a gift, not the result of works. A gift isn't something you earn. A gift isn't something you work toward. If it's truly a gift, it's given freely. Usually it's to someone you love or really care about. God gave this gift to his people. The Lord chose, and the Lord denied. He chooses who he will choose. He is the final judge. There, there's a dark side and a light side to this, isn't there? There's a dark side and a light side to the cross. The cross condemns those who are not his. The cross saves those who are. The wicked versus the saved. The Edomite versus the Israelite. The Lord defends, protects, and delivers his people. I, I love the saying, God loves his people. God always loves his people. God only loves his people. He is the divine warrior. The Lord passes down his blessing from Abraham to Jacob to Judah, and from Judah came Jesus. Galatians 4, I'm sorry, Galatians 3, 27 through 29. For many of you, as were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. You, uh, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heir according to promise. As we've gone through Obadiah, as we've seen the transgressions and the offenses that were committed by Edom against God's people, as we see how God related to his people in that he took the vengeance, he dealt with these offenses and transgressions. As we consider that and we look at our lives today and we stand up as Christians and we truly do love our neighbor as ourselves, and as we uh, face the different things we face, and if we're not facing them, you've got to ask yourself some things. Do not laugh at your enemy's shortcomings. Do not 
stand aloof when there is need. Love your brother as yourself. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what this is about. Yes, it's, it's historic. Yes, it talks about where Israel's been and where Edom's been and where the nations have been, but ultimately, I think you can boil it down. There's a lot more here than what I've shared with you in the past two weeks, and I would encourage you to dig into it. There's a lot of symbolism in here that I didn't even come close to cover. But ultimately, it comes down to those two. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope it's wetted your whistle a bit. Perhaps maybe it's even made you think. Where do you stand? Where will you go from here? You still have breath in your lungs. But who knows? how long that is. Let's close in prayer. Blessed Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your many blessings to us. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for this, your Lord's day, when your people can gather together as your servants and worship you. Lord, if there's anything incorrect that I've said today, anything that I've misinterpreted or misread, Cause the, your people to forget it. But those things that are true and those things have been, that have been correctly communicated, Lord, use it to change our lives. Use us to become that much more holy, to be that much closer to you, to love you more, to honor you more, to serve you more, to be bolder, when it comes to dealing with our neighbor and sharing our faith. Thank you, Lord, for your so many, many blessings, but most of all, the fact that you have saved us. Enemies of yours, those who had no desire to come to you, but through your great grace and mercy, through your purpose, through your plan, you saved for yourself a people. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.